It's very brightly colored and it's very loud and it's fun for a while. We want to be free to, to do what we, we want to do. We went to Muhammad Ali and Sonny Barger, the president of Hell's Angels. This is 109.5. Hey, Don, welcome to the podcast. How you doing? Thanks, mate. Very good. How's Chiang Mai today? Uh, sunny and hot. <laughs> the usual. So you've been... Uh, You've been locked in there for, I know your, obviously I know your apartment there. We've we spent right. plenty of time um, brainstorming uh, script ideas inside that apartment, but it's probably not been the worst place to be actually during this kind of weird for, old For year lockdown, of it's been okay. Yeah. It's comfortable for lockdown. Yeah, right. It's um, not, I was just chatting to a friend in the UK earlier and I, I really feel for these guys over overseas. I think in Thailand, we've been really fortunate. Um right. And, and and as a writer, I wondered, you know, how like is it? Have you found it refreshing to be locked down in in a sense because you like being kind of isolated while you're writing, or have have you felt your freedoms been taken away at all this year? No, actually, I felt very comfortable with it. Um, in a way, it helps because it it as a disincentive to run out and do a lot of things I don't have to do. So uh, staying inside has actually been very peaceful. Helpful. I thought you may say that. Hey, look, as way of introduction, maybe good to. Do you want to give a bit of background on, on, on yourself and you know who you are, what you do, just to, for our, you know, for the listeners, it would it would kind of help. Um, sure. just, yeah, just give a bit of background on yourself. I'm born and bred in New York City. Uh, I've been I've traveled around the world uh, many times. Um, I originally started as an academic uh, directing language programs, both uh, in the US and Europe and Brazil and uh, recently in Thailand. Um, I left all of that a while ago and gotten back to my first love, which is writing. So um, I was a short story writer in New York uh, for quite a time, um, fairly well known. And uh, more recently, I've gotten into script writing. Um, you, you know that my first, my first feature film was The Last Executioner, and it did very well. It played worldwide. It, uh, it won the equivalent of the Thai Oscars, including for me, a screenwriter. And that was a, uh, a really big honor because it made me the first non-Thai to win one of these awards since the King Sarvi Award over 60 years ago. So that's been nice. And then more recently, I wrote, um, <clears throat> I co-wrote the script for The Cave about uh, the rescue of the boys in Northern Thailand um, last year. And as you know, I wrote a script with you <laughs> for Dark Karma, which we're still hoping will get made. And another script uh, called Ghost People, which is uh, about the Hmong people in Northern Laos and uh, their persecution. So that's been it. <laughs> and right now I'm writing a pitch. I was requested by Netflix to write a pitch, um, a drama pitch for them. And that's been quite interesting because they, they had three criteria. One is they wanted drama and not comedy. Uh, two, they wanted something applicable to Southeast or South Asia. And the big one was they wanted something that was binge watchable. <laughs> so I've, I've um, watched a whole bunch of dramas to try to find out what that means exactly. And it's, it's a very different kind of writing. And I'm enjoying it. Yeah, in, 
it, well, I mean, I think, yeah, that Netflix obviously want binge watchable. They want to get people on there and, and make sure they stay on there. And right. I mean, I, I know the, I know the, uh, the, I know the binge watchable stuff because we get hooked on them now and then. But um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a few things I want to chat about, but I, it would good to start chat about the cave. Actually, I mean, the cave is the I would say the most recent yeah. project in terms of being out there. And interesting, I saw Tom actually posted um, yesterday online. Tom Waller, who's the, the the director, he he posted online about they're now making another version, right? Which is a I forget the director, but a big, big budget Hollywood version, which actually they're shooting in Australia. Um, right. but so it's good that you guys got out there first. And, you know, I saw that film in Bangkok, what, maybe a year ago, if I'm right, um, maybe a bit longer. And I know it internationally, it got international distribution. Um, yeah, the story, you know, is a, it was, is a kind of world famous story, the, the, the football <clears throat> team that got stuck in the cave. Um, you know, what was the process of that, of writing that light? Did you go, did you visit the caves? Did you kind of get inside the, the minds of the people, the, the characters from that story? Yeah, maybe talk us through some of the experiences of writing that script. Sure. We, we um, Tom, uh, some of the crew and uh, Tom's wife, Katie, uh, we went up there several times. The first time was quite an eye-opener because uh, we went to the cave Tom got special permission to go to the mouth of the cave, which has since been closed to visitors. And it was quite an eye-opener for me because um, I had watched lots of newscasts and seen pictures in newspapers and whatever. And somehow in my mind, I had it that the entrance was ground level and we could walk into it. But in fact, it was it was quite a, a shock. It's, they had to go down a, a kind of slippery slope of about I don't know, three meters or so, and crawl into an en uh, an entrance that was maybe only one, one and a half meters high. So they really had to work at this. And then while we were in that area, we spoke to a lot of the locals, um, very interesting people, very interesting stories. And then, um, <clears throat> I mean, fast forward, Tom and Katie and I spent two days in my living room, and you know that, on the floor with a whiteboard, sketching out the story. And then we, we kind of wrote it together in segments and then pasted them all together. So it, it was a very different kind of experience for me. I'd never done anything like that. Um, no, that was it, <laughs> basically. Yeah, I get a sense. I mean, I know you quite well in terms of your writing. You prefer to write alone, right? Although I, I think you prefer to work on your own, which a lot of writers do, but, but it's, it it's kind of unavoidable in a music in movie movie making that you've got to collaborate sometimes, particularly, you know, on these types of projects. Like, how do you how do you find that process? Can you can you deal with the collaboration do you, as a writer? Does it drive you nuts? Or because um, I know, yeah, like well, I said, I know you prefer to write alone, but yeah, talk us through some of that stuff. Well, when we wrote together, it drove me nuts. No, just joking. Not at all. <laughs> actually, that was a very positive experience. This experience was, for the cave, it was actually very different because we were writing collaboratively, but separately. You know, as I mentioned, we, um, we plotted out the whole thing with markers on a whiteboard, and then we actually divvied up the scenes. Um, and we went to write them on our own, and Tom, as director, pasted them together into a film. So it, it was collaborative writing, but it was also individual writing. Um, it was a little weird because uh, I was writing scenes kind of in a vacuum. 
Uh, I mean, I knew what the scene was, but you know, usually when you write, you know the story, even if you're not, uh, even if you don't have to plot it out, you know what's happening, you're in that world. But this was a, a very different. This was um, just taking a scene and writing it and then hoping that it fit in. So that was it. Yeah, that's a really different way of collaborating. And um, it's interesting, actually, I was speaking to James Newman recently, uh, also known as JD Strange, who you know, and we've he, he and I have worked on stuff. And he was talking about how, you know, when you when you collaborate on writing screenplays, often if there's two of you, it's like there's this third person, which is the kind of creation coming together of the two people. I know that working with you on Dark Karma couple of years ago whenever it was I definitely felt that we'd but you need that structured process you can't kind of work in a vacuum like do you like when you go into writing a screenplay do you work to a process do you have a format do you change depending on the project and and if there is a format what is you know what is that format and process that you work to right uh, one of the reasons I'd like to write alone is that um I'm not a very good plotter to, to plot out a film I um and you know, as you know, I prefer writing character-centered uh, stories, like The Last Executioner. Um, so when I write and writing alone, I, I basically enter that world in my head. I enter the world of the film. So what what happens happens sort of organically. Um, and then I, I will plot certain sections, but I, I rarely have something plotted from the beginning to the end. And the end sometimes comes as a surprise to me, because it's just grown out of what, you know, what the world of that film or short story has been. Uh, this is the whole, this is another way of saying that I'm not a very disciplined writer. <laughs> I kind of, you know, write by inspiration and, um, and just, like I said, kind of organically where, where I feel the story is going. But, but the I, other thing, sorry. No, I mean, well, I was going to say, I mean, do you, do you write without a treatment ever or do you always write a treatment first i mean because i know I've, if you read the books and if you look at you know there's when i started learning to screenwrite i just tried to jump into it which was a stupid thing to do because actually if you've got no treatment you just end up in this kind of world of confusion really you get you get into a story and then you're lost in the characters so i mean if i work from a treatment it's usually not by choice <laughs> like um when, when I worked on Last Execution, you know, obviously for, for Tom's purposes, we needed to have a treatment. So I wrote that. Uh, when I wrote the Hmong movie, also we were, I was sort of had to write a, uh, a treatment. And the cave, as I said, it all, it all came from the three of us working together. So um, like plotting, you know, from beginning to end, I, I don't really feel I need a treatment. I'll, I'll make notes, really copious notes. And uh, like in the old style of doing a screenplay, I'll, I'll have, I don't have index cards on the, on the wall, but I have scenes written out. And since most of the stuff I've written uh, relies on a lot of um, knowledge of the subject or the story, uh, and this is part of my academic background, I do, extensive research. Um, I mean, even stuff I don't have to know, because uh, I, my process of writing, even as a short story writer, is that, let's say I have a character, um, I have to know when that character goes into a, let's say, a car showroom, uh, that that character will pick the black car instead of the green car. Uh, 
even if Bonnie Clark doesn't even enter into the story, I, I, I have to know what that is um, in order to understand the character. So. What, yeah, where is it interesting? Well, I mean, obviously when you're researching that gives you inspiration into characters, but um, where does your inspiration come from typically when you're, when you're writing? Do you, I mean, and you are, you know, are you a people watcher? Are you always picking up kind of tips and, you know, ideas and, and just from observing the world, you know, where, where is, where does your inspiration come from as a, as a screenwriter when you, when you get into characters? Yeah. Okay. I mean, if I'm writing, a story of my own, if it's not sort of based in a, in a rea reality. Um, this has always been my way, as a short story writer, as a screenwriter. Um, I, I'm very drawn to <laughs> quirky actions of a, of a character, or something a little bit off base. Um, not sci-fi, not crazy, but something a little bit off base. And that attracts me. And then um, usually, uh, in my mind, I'll build a story around that. Um, or in certain instances, like in The Last Executioner, um, the, the character of the spirit, which played by David Asanvat, that had nothing to do with Chabaret, um recollections or anything. That was just a, my own device because I felt it would help the story. So, you know, it, it's sort of like needs and something that I see but sometimes it can be something really, really minor um, that I see in a character. I like that character in the, I, I watched The Last Executioner, I mean, when we first met, so it was a while ago now, it's probably five years ago, but I like David's character. But as you just mentioned, then something struck me, because I know that you had a, a character, I, I can't, that you had an idea for a character in the cave as well. There's a bit of a theme with you picking out these kind of spiritually focused characters actually, isn't there, within these stories, is that, where does that come from? Is that a Thai thing or, uh, you know, I mean, am I picking up on something there? It's interesting, actually. I just realized with David's character, and I know the one you were talking about in the cave, that I don't yeah. think it really got featured that much, but. Right. I, I'm not, um, you know, it, it's not Thai necessarily. That's just my, my way of looking at the world. Um, uh, for the cave, the character who most interested me and who I, um, was the character of the woman rice farmer. And, and we met and talked with her. Just a lovely, interesting woman, very focused. And there was something about her, which I can't really define, that was just so attractive as a, as a person, as a, as a human being, as a soul, you know, that um, she really, really interested me. And then the other character who really, really interested me, who got sort of short shift, was the, uh, the monk who they come down to you know, make merit to try to get the boys out. But there was, there was a scene that was on YouTube and newspapers where this monk, about 50 years old, he comes down there's a, and there's a big press, you know, all these press surrounding him. And they ask him whether he believes that he was the reincarnation of the the, in the original myth, is a stable boy who falls in love with a princess and they marry. And the locals believe that there are reincarnations of this stable boy. And they ask him, do you believe that you are the reincarnation of the stable boy? And his answer was, I say positive, 50-50. And it's just, it's things like that. They're just a little bit off base that really attract me. You know? What? 
I mean, you might be answering it in that really, but what attracted you to screenwriting? Is it just, you know, wanting to kind of dive into different personas and, and have empathy for, for the individuals and understand life from their perspective? Or is it that type of thing? Is it something different? Um, it's a combination of a lot of things. I mean, uh, as a, when I was in high school and college and grad school, um, in New York, there were, uh, in Manhattan alone, there were three theaters that every day of the year showed a double feature of foreign films. And every day of the year, it was a different combination of films. So on, on one night, you might have a Kurosawa and Fellini, and another might be a Truffaut and a, whatever, um, somebody, you know, Rossellini or something like that. And I just loved films. I mean, I, I was in the films all the time. And then sort of moving forward from that, um, and the reason I became a short story writer and not a novelist is because I, I just naturally see the world episodically. I could never be a no novelist because I don't see the world itself as like a, you know, a, a, a finite, you know, closed story. So uh, going into films was just a sort of natural progression for me, uh, as as was uh, when I became a short story writer. I, you know, I grew up. I was I was writing poems, which I can't read now, but um, and then. Uh, I noticed that my poems were getting more and more narrative. Characters were becoming more and more important to the poems and lines of dialogue were sticking in. And then I, I said, I'm writing short stories. <laughs> and sort of the same thing happened uh, from short stories to film. And so, I mean, that kind of stuff just was natural for me. It must be awesome as well when you write this stuff. I mean, I, you know, when, you, when you're writing these, when you're writing a script and then getting to see it come alive mm -hmm. with people and who I know are your friends is where you've been lucky that your friends I know with a lot of these people that we both know that have acted and played in your your films you know David um Vithaya, um probably some others but it must be it must be awesome to go through that process of you know diving inside the head of a character writing the the script the dialogue and then seeing people bring that to life often different to what you wrote because it, <laughs> it like it there's no you can't be too attached to things right the, the process is so fluid with yeah. writing a script and getting it to screen but but it's still I, I imagine is very um satisfactory being able to see those those guys bring those characters to life yeah i mean as i mentioned last execution was the first full-length um feature film that i had written <clears throat> and it was it, the international premiere before its type premiere at the Shanghai International Film Festival by, um, by invitation. And I have to tell you, uh, seeing that film on the big screen was just an amazing experience. I mean, there's it, it almost no experience for me that's been comparable to that. It, it's just wonderful. Um, but as you said, it's not often, it's not what I wanted exactly, but I sort of long ago made peace with myself on that, that it's not going to happen exactly the way. That's the process of making films, the director's vision, the editor's vision. And I keep going back to uh, when I first started teaching university, uh, and I had a, an older colleague who um, he told me, don't ever invest your ego in your teaching. 
And I try to maintain the same notions in my writing, particularly for films, because it, it's not going to be exactly as I want it. But you know, when there are lines of dialogue, when there are actions that are exactly what I wanted, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's such. I mean, that's mad. That's the best advice because it is. There's so many people involved in making a movie, and you write a script, and if it gets made your names to it and the titles there but yeah the, the amount of people along that path of you know producers directors actors edit i mean it's just there's there's a vast distance between the script and the end product i mean it's just right. it's an inevitable part of making a movie right, right. and I, right. yeah that, that's definitely good advice i'm sure i mean if dark karma ever gets made you know there's other guys working on it now taking sure. it giving it their own you know i've got there's just no point being attached to it right yeah, um, I, I was going to ask about we've never spoken about this, actually, and it may just be a dead end question. But um, you, you, do you have an interest in theatre? Have you ever written theatre scripts? Is it something because that actually does, you know, theatre scripts do tend to be much more to the point. I've got a friend who's a playwright in Singapore. She's written two or three um plays that have done well now but as far as i can see the process of that the writer is a lot closer to the end product there, there tends to be a lot less variation i mean you're writing a script the actors do a reading you're playing you're on stage live so it's, it's a different process have you done any theater writing is it something that's attractive actually it's interesting um th there's a guy here in chiang mai stephen turner who does a um, community theater, and, but you know, they do good stuff. And Stephen and I were talking one day, and he said, why don't you do a, a play of Last Executioner? And I, immediately I went home, I had the whole thing blocked out, I knew I wanted a very minimal set, um, and uh, it, it was really exciting, but I, I just had too many other things, because that, that would be a steep learning curve for me. Um, and I just thought I didn't have the time or the energy to do it because there's other things that I'm, I know I can do. But maybe someday, because it's exciting, uh, but it's a, it's a whole different process. First of all, it's all dialogue. I mean, mm. you have to, you know, uh, you, you don't really have any time for writing a narrative or something like that. Uh, but yeah, maybe someday, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I might be wrong. I just get a hunch that you might enjoy it based on the, what you just said. I know speaking to <clears throat> Sweat Lee, who's a friend in Singapore. Yeah, I mean, I've watched her writing and her plays come alive from the paper to the stage. And it's really interesting watching the process. But there is a lot less. There's a lot less of a gap between what goes on the paper mm -hmm. and what ends up going on the stage, which is quite, right. I think, really satisfying from a writing point of view. So, yeah, yeah interesting. Um, well, I don't know what you can, how much you can share about the work you, you work, the stuff you're working on now. Can you, can you talk about that? I know you're working on some Netflix stuff. Is it yeah. um, shareable or? Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, the um, Tom and I decided to pitch because we, we both know people there, and I was asked to do it. <clears throat> We're writing for Netflix Asia, which gets distributed, but it's. Um, it's run by uh, several British women in the office in Singapore. And um, so we're actually writing two pitches that are parallel. And the one I'm doing is on child abductions, um, which is a, a huge issue worldwide, which doesn't get a whole lot of play. This is different from child kidnapping or um, trafficking or anything like that. This is generally one parent 
uh, taking a child for various reasons. Most often it's the mother, actually. Um, and it often has to do with money or revenge for uh, an affair or something like that. But um, so what happened was um, I have a colleague in New York who married a Japanese woman and after five years of a wonderful marriage and a son, she took the child to um, Japan. And my friend Brian has been trying for 10 years, the kid's 15 now, to even try and get to see him. So, and, and Brian has been in front of congressional committees and that kind of thing. So I, I know his story. Then I saw another story about an abduction in Thailand several years ago, and it just drew me into the story. <clears throat> so that, that's the thing, but I'm still sort of in the initial stages of it. Actually, really interesting. I, I know a bit, but I actually had a friend, um, I obviously won't mention his name, but that this happened to, and mm. I was um, somewhat involved in the process of um, reuniting them just when I was, you know, doing work for a law firm. So, so yeah, it clearly is a, you know, a, a situation that comes up quite often. So that, yeah, sounds like kind of heart-wrenching material, I imagine, yeah. but it, Will it be, that's going to be written as a drama or a documentary? So it'll be drama, actual real drama. stories, uh, but based it, on real stories. It may story, be based, based on, on real stories, yeah. I mean, I, um, I don't want to do a documentary on it. Uh, so if you're basing it on a real story, obviously there are real implications to that. You know, and uh, just got to be careful with that. So, I mean, I'll, I'll draft it. And then uh, again, like, like last execution or other stories, it's not going to necessarily be following the whole story, uh, you know, there'll be embellishments or changes or characters appearing. Um, but that, that's the basic theme. And, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I think Netflix is the place to be chatting right now, right, with the year we've had. What's your, what's your view on the, the impact to the industry because of yeah, everything that's happened yeah. this year? Are you, from someone on the inside, are you, you know, are you seeing any optimism in terms of, oh, great, there'll be you know, more money going into kind of projects for streaming yeah. or, yeah, what's your kind of view on 2020 and how it's impacted the industry and what, what lies ahead? Right. I mean, even before all the chaos with COVID and everything, I, my feeling was that um, films and cinemas, uh, they just have a couple of more years and then they're dead. Um, I mean, I, I really feel that the, the future is really in streaming. And, and things like Netflix or Amazon or Hulu for a number of reasons. Um, first of all, um, uh, unless people are binge watching, it doesn't require as much of an attention span. And I think as we know, people don't have really good attention spans these days. Uh, plus, um, you know, I, I think there's an economics involved. In it. I mean, to make a film or to go to the theater for a couple, I mean, I, I, I know that like in, in New York or in the States, you know, if a couple goes to the film, goes to a film with everything involved, the popcorn, the transportation, you know, it's, it's 60 or $70. And, uh, you know, you can download or buy a, a film or, you know, a series and just stay at home in the comfort of your home with a widescreen TV. It's, it's not the same experience as seeing something on the big screen. But I think, and for younger people, they don't have that experience anyway. It's, it's mainly for older people that, you know, that's our uh, benchmark. And I, I've been away from that. <clears throat> I mean, uh, I like being home. And, and there are some 
there are some uh, series that are just phenomenal, the writing, the acting, like recent ones on um, Netflix, um, Unorthodox, or the one Sasha Baron Cohen wrote and directed, Spy, um, there's one called, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's, it's a, um, it's a drama, a crime drama, which is also just phenomenal. And I think there's some good stuff coming out of that. Um, I mean, I prefer the Rochester stuff now. Yeah, yeah we're the same. I mean, I, I love the movie, the cinema experience. I mean, frankly, I've not been now for 12 months, but <laughs> but yeah, the, 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 for me, Netflix is all, all about, you know, series is and i mean i don't know if you watched the ozarks i absolutely loved the the ozarks which was a three um series it was three series of i think 10 episodes each or something but right. yeah there's some awesome stuff out there but occasionally you want that cinema experience but like you say i mean the cost of massive tvs now is you know it's probably four trips to a cinema that's the crazy right, exactly. thing you know? yeah 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 i mean also i mean well this is just economics too I mean, when I was going to, uh, you know, hot first-class cinemas here in Chiang and in Bangkok and everything, I mean, I would go to a, a, a first-run Hollywood film on a Saturday night, and there were 12 people in the audience. I didn't even know how to stay open. Um, so, you know, I, I just think it's, it's moving away from that. And, and I, I like the episode, um, I, I like things episodic. So for me, these uh, series, I, I don't do very well with the two, three, four season series thing because I, I, I just don't have the time or the attention span for that. Um, so, and I'm also obsessive, so I can't, I can't say, oh, okay, start in season two or start in season three. If I'm going to go into a series, I've got to watch it from the first you know, episode uh, just to feel comfortable with it, and that takes a lot of time. You know, uh, it does indeed. Uh, um, hey, look, I wanted to, just as we close out, I know you're starting on some new new stuff in terms of services you're providing. Do you want to share a bit on on what that is and how people can find out about you, you know, just some sure. of the work, consulting work you're doing? Sure. Um, I mean, I, I've worked a lot as an editor or as a teacher of writing. And um, so now I'm sort of putting that into a more commercial thing. Uh, so I, I'm going to be launching sort of mid-December um, <clears throat> both writing workshops and individual editing services for uh, both script writing and for um, other prose writing, uh, short stories, novels, whatever. And um, in the age of Zoom, that's become much more viable because, um, I mean, I'm going to offer it both uh, in person but also on Zoom, which, I mean, I, I've done a workshop, for example, I had people on five continents, you know, in the same session, and that's just amazing. And, you know, it, it really makes, it, it creates a, a great dynamic. So <clears throat> I, right now, the only contact I have is my email, um, but there, there will be other contacts. I mean, I'm, I'm building web pages, uh, there'll be, you know, we know from our experience, there'll be a Facebook page going up probably next week. And um, yeah, I'll get the word out. Awesome. Well, by the time this this goes out and gets published, maybe it'll be timely, and I can include the links. So, Great. look, exactly. appreciate you taking the time to join, and you know, hope everything is well down there. Great. We will. We're not that far away. I do like you. I mean, I'm doing Zoom calls with people all over the world, but we're right. three three hours drive away, so Great. we shall probably uh, 
catch up for a coffee or whatever else sometime soon. Terrific, terrific. And thank Good. you. This has, been, this has been fun, as always. Yeah, what do you uh, want to do? Muhammad Ali and Sonny Barger, the President of Hell's Angels. This is 109.5.